0: Hello, and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhouse podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhouse. This is my podcast. It's obvious that you are living in South Florida when you hear people or overhear people having a conversation, and they use the term, my adjuster said this or my adjuster said that. He's not your adjuster. He works for a different company or an LLC or a corporation. He's not mine. He may refer to you as my client because you are his client, but he—you don't own him as your adjuster. He's just trying to help you um, rob the insurance companies blind. This is the following is a conversation that happens between every husband and wife when there is flooding, and there is always flooding in South Florida. And potentially, if you live in a place where there's flooding and it's not South Florida, don't be like, this guy is a complete idiot. It floods elsewhere. I only know about the place that I live, and I can talk about those things. I live in Florida. This is the conversation. The wife says, after the flood, no matter what, uh, do you smell that? The husband says, what? She says, that that smell, it's, it's mold. And the husband says, there's no such thing as mold. And the wife says, what do you mean there's no such thing as mold? I'm smelling it. What else do you think I'm smelling? And the husband says, I don't know, maybe that's the, the smell of the money, the, whatever money we have left over, getting pulverized now or getting uh, incinerated by some future mold removal vendor. And the wife says, this is not a joking matter. People die all the time for mold. Whenever you turn on the news... The lead story is just people dying from mold. We have to take care of the mold. And the husband says again, there's no such thing as mold. How much do you think it's going to cost for us to take care of this problem that does not exist? And the wife says, I don't know. Let me me call the mold. And the wife will make a quick phone call, have a one-to-one conversation with the mold directly. The husband is not privy to such a conversation. And... At some point in time, people come with trucks, huge fans, they put a bunch of stuff in your house, they don't want you to see exactly what's going on, and that mold, which doesn't exist except that mold is everywhere, is then removed out of the house by the mold people. We're going to now segue into a very important television series which can be found right now on Netflix. And that is a TV show called Hoarders. Got to give credit to the producers and the directors of the show who conceived of the plot whereby they recruit someone with a serious mental health illness. If you ever watched the show, these are people who have a serious disorder of hoarding. And they tell them, hey, listen, we know you have a mental illness. We really want to exploit you now and profit off of that illness in exchange for us, you know, making millions of people, millions of households aware of this illness that you have, we will get a group of people that will walk into the house and trash everything that you've been collecting for the last 50, 60 years. That's the trade-off, and people go for it. It's a great show. Uh, I would recommend that you watch it. But I have a point here. People are like, what's your point? I have a point. My point is that this show should actually be renamed The American Dream, and here's why. Number one, the people on the show obviously have an issue where – they go online and buy too much stuff off the internet, which adds to the already cluttered, disgusting home that they have. This idea of consumerism, very American. The second thing is that anybody who's on hoarders is living in a home and owns a home, which is ultimately the American dream. If you live in an apartment, you may be deep down a potential hoarder, but you're really limited because your space is limited. Also, if you live on the second or third floor, it's just hard to get junk inside all the time. So the second reason why this is American dream is hoarders equals homeownership. The third thing is what you're doing is you're taking an issue, a mental health issue, You're also taking home ownership, consumerism, and then parlaying that into reality TV fame. And that is the most American aspect of it all. So again, check out Netflix, Hoarders. You will not regret it. And if you do, could be you'll end up regretting it. Now, before we go on, I I have to mention, we do have an extremely important sought-after interview where I was chasing uh, Rabbi Levi Chadikov, Shliach in Clearwater, Florida, who is going to join us. He is the founder of Shemace.com, where everybody got their news. Uh, We're going to interview him shortly. And uh, stay around for that. But before we get there, I want to take two minutes to talk about a topic which really deserves not just a podcast, but potentially a podcast series, and I'm actually interested in producing it. And so if anybody out there has the expertise or what to add to what I'm about to discuss, please hit me up, and we will take it to the next step. I want to talk right now about what I refer to in my home as Bar Mitzvah Tuna, and that's the tuna that they serve at a bar mitzvah. And really, the same could be said about ob tuna or uh, if there's a bris and there's tuna. But I just had to go with something, so I'm choosing bar mitzvah tuna. But if you want, when you're describing this to somebody else, you can tell them it's just simcha tuna. Okay? So let's, let's just say simcha tuna to make it work f- for everybody. What is unbelievable is that tuna is something which m- a lot of people will not get close to or at least confess to enjoying. If you know, if you take it on the plane, it smells really bad. They can take you off potentially as a as a terrorism threat. If somebody has tuna breath. That's not a good situation. You say, excuse me, sir, you have tuna breath. Can you please do something about it right now? We're asking on behalf of everybody. It's not, you put it in a lunch, it gets soggy, the bread gets soggy. But all of a sudden, when there is a simcha, the makeover that the tuna gets is truly unbelievable. I don't know what is the secret of simcha tuna. Potentially, it could involved celery, chopped onions, maybe some eggs. I hope not mustard, because that is a disgusting thing to put next to tuna, especially if you're putting mayonnaise in. But all of a sudden, people who are big feinschmeckers in the community, who go out to eat at fancy restaurants where they serve meat, kosher meat, I will see them with Simcha tuna on their plate, and they can't get enough of it because it's possible that another secret ingredient is the MSG or another type of drug, literally, that they put in the tuna because it tastes that good. In davening, right before Shema part of Bech Shema, we say it's Magbiyah Shefalim Ad which loosely translated is how basically ba- God takes the people who are very downtrodden, and lifts them to the greatest heights. And to me, that epitomizes Simcha Tuna. Because on the one hand, people will look at you like you're crazy, that you're even including tuna in your diet. But at the same time, a war can break out at a Simcha if there's one scoop left and people are approaching that platter from both sides. So I know this is a it, it meant to be a lighthearted podcast, but this is something I give a lot of th- a lot of thought about. I've actually tried to make bar mitzvah tuna, aka simchat Tuna, in my own home, chopping and dicing. It just didn't quite have it. And so if you're listening and You either know the secret ingredients that goes into it. And by the way, I will say that you could buy tuna deluxe that they sell in a store in a container from Floms or different brands that will reach that level of intensity and joy. But I still don't think it's quite as good as the bar mitzvah tuna, especially, especially if there's also shakashuka, and some of the little red tomato sauce, which is a little spicy, will make its way and connect with that Simchatuna. And I also think that this is a message for us in life, that if you're sometimes feeling down and saying, look at me, I look in the mirror, I'm ashamed of myself. How, how can I have some self-respect? Think about Simcha Tuna, which on the one hand, it comes in a can. You have to open up with a can opener. It smells. You have to put it down the drain. My wife keeps the the sink on for about three hours after we open up a can of tuna. She throws out the garbage immediately, even though there's just a single can of tuna. She actually will call the city, say, can you do a special pickup today? There's a can of tuna. But all of a sudden, at a Simcha, the tuna is the bell of the ball. And again, that should inspire you. That change is possible, and you should be able to look yourself in the eye thereafter. Enjoy the interview.
1: Hello. Hello, Rabbi Chadikov Revi. How are you?
2: Baruch Hashem, amazing. How are you doing, my dear friend, Shmoli Tenenhaus?
1: Amazing, Baruch Hashem. I cannot believe we made this happen. By the way, you are on a recorded line. Uh, Everything you say can and will be held against you in the public domain.
2: I plead the fifth.
1: No, I'm just joking. No, no, no. We're going to keep it real. And uh, yes, uh, again, uh, How? how, by the way, am I the most persistent person that's ever wanted to interview you?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind, your persistence has paid off. And it's an honor and a pleasure to join you on your podcast. I I understand you're from the top ten podcasts in America now.
1: Now, top ten podcasts that are that are recorded out of my house. I'm in the top 10 there, but not uh, quite in the United States. So obviously, uh, since before doing the podcast, I've I've been wanting to do this. But com, as everybody knows, at least for me, was a big part of growing up. And there's, you know, since then there's other sites that have come and, uh, you know, Schmece is not as active, but I definitely have hey, that's so many a compliment about there.
2: It. Not as active. But that's you a hundred percent.
1: Thank you. Like you told me in the past, Schnace is like learning classes. They never end, right? Right, exactly. So I wanted to start at the beginning. Not beginning beginning of Levy, but beginning of Schmece. So in what year did Schmace officially launch?
2: So the official date that we have for the launch of Shmace, and the official date is Chai Tishrei fifty seven fifty eight. That's about the only bit of research that I had time to do for this important interview. You'll have to forgive me.
1: That's and okay. That's
2: plenty. I just I I just looked it up. So it's twenty five years ago. It's crazy. So uh, is that that's 1998? the official starting date. Um. Well, I don't know if that was 98 or 97. could be it was 97 because with with, we went to Tavshin. You don't have to look that up. Look it up on your calendar. What is it? Yod Chastashri, which is um, called? Yeah, myself. it does make sense. 57, 58. So it could be it was 97 in the garish.
1: Incredible. What was the inspiration of starting the website?
2: So the truth is that there was no game plan over here. This is something that just, it just evolved because we didn't start with a website. You know, for the early guys listening to this podcast, they know that we basically started off firstly as a small email distribution list for those people that were connected to the internet 25 years ago, which were many at that point in time. And so but surely, you know, in the days that uh, predated Google and Yahoo and all these other sites, uh, I went searching around for articles that mentioned Chabad, et cetera, et cetera, and we started just emailing it out. And from there, it evolved to first a, uh, a page on AOL, for those that remember AOL, they used to have uh, every user was able to have a single page website, it was Com forward slash Shmet, if I remember correctly. And you know we just kept on evolving, thank God, till you know we became the, you know the site for everyone to get their news. And as you may remember, our motto was and is keeping the informed. And thank God we've had to this cost to do it for 25 years.
1: When you say uh, there's a few references of we, I assume that's your nefesh elikis nefesh Bahamas, but. Absolutely,
2: um, absolutely. And all our avid all our avid readers who are without without whom we wouldn't be where we were, are, et cetera, because it's uh it's really a um community oriented site. We didn't have a full staff of people. Yeah, we had people help out photography and you know, website design, et cetera. Gotta give a shout out to my dear friend Shime Ohano. Without him, uh he really helped us with the uh design of the first site. So Shimeyohano gets a big uh pat pat on the back and round of applause. Hopefully he's listening to the podcast. So, so in sure ninety
1: seven so in ninety seven that's when you started the distribution list or that's when the site no, no,
2: 97. As I think the date that we started, you know, with the with the emails. Now I, I think we just sort of chose the date as close to that as possible because again, this wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a ribbon cutting ceremony. to Say, hey, we're starting uh, we're starting a new service today. You know, and we have to back up a little bit also where the name Shmace came from because the name Shmace was you know adapted from Uncle Mendel Dochman, who uh, he used to actually have a website. Uh, not, sorry, not a website. He used to have a license plate from many, many moons ago, I think from Ohio even, uh, Schmei. So the first time that I actually put the name Mendy Schmace uh, to use was, I think going back to, it was either the late 80s, maybe 1990 or so, uh, when there was an airline called TWA and they were running a uh, triple mile promotion. And in those days, you could just open up an account with any name you wanted, and you know collect miles you know they weren't asking for i d when you flew, et cetera. so I made a account a frequent flyer account at t w a with the name Mendy Schmei, so that was the first time I actually used the name schme um obviously, there was no news uh, at, at that point in time, and then it was only later on when I got an American online account that just decided, you know, they gave you an option for using it, and they decided to use it.
1: So, these were so what does Shmeis mean? Like the origin. the origin? What is the origin of Shmeis? Uh,
2: yeah, you have to call Mendel Dohmann, you have to ask all the Christian guys, you know, from uh, from Neville, they, they would have to throw you in on that. That's uh, that's not for so me. So it's a, it's, it's a real not, gadget uh, term. Yeah, I don't know if it's real or whatever. No, get some shmais, you know. Well, log on to shmais. I guess that's what it means, right? Or to make it easier, I would tell people it stands for Shema Israel, and that's uh, you know very easy for people to comprehend, especially from the people.
1: Okay. Now, from when it became a site, like you said, it was an evolution. How long did it take for people to start advertising?
2: You know, I, I, I don't have all these things with us now. Again, everything, you know, went slowly, but surely. And it's hard to pinpoint the exact, exact time and place of of when the ad started and who was first, who was second. But we definitely want to thank all our advertisers without saying any names because I'm going to forget somebody and I don't want to get anyone offended. But to give thanks and appreciation to all the advertisers over all the years for their staunch support of uh, of the website and helping us keep the Lubavitchers informed. Now, originally when we started, uh, expenses were very low. I was living in my Bobby Hecht's apartment, so I didn't really have expenses. But then afterwards, thank God I got married, and uh, the $2 that came in was very helpful. You to pay that bill.
1: credit card bill.
2: Exactly. Exactly, okay, um, so my dear friend Schmoly. What's going on in South Florida?
1: Lots of things going on. You'll have to check out schmes to see right. what is going on
2: so i I uh, heard that I missed out on a breakfast because I didn't return your message. I hope that you could get a when uh, you are uh, back in town a to check will, on the breakfast
1: when you are back in town. We will take you out to breakfast here uh just as a thank you or a tribute for for doing this interview. Now, uh, did you yes, ever sir. confuse a Mazel Tov with a dynamis or the reverse? <laughs> uh sorry, that's not a laughing matter at all, but
2: um I I think I don't think I did thank God, but that would be a pretty pretty uh ser- serious uh error. There there were yes. mistakes uh you know where, you know made uh, you know, a crack or two me in between. We got the scam, unfortunately, you know, posting erroneous information. And there were legitimate mistakes where someone might have said, oh, so-and-so had a boy, really they had a girl, something like that. But, you know, so we try to correct those as, as soon as uh, we were made aware of those errors.
1: Okay. When did you stop with the, um, you know, the... Little section like who got divorced? When, when? When did you guys decide? Hey, that's not a good idea to do.
2: No, actually, we never did that, and I don't think that was appropriate. This is this is dot com. This is not page six.
1: Yeah, that's true. What is your opinion on comments on the article? Because the, the 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 internet has evolved like everything else. So, what's your comment on the comments?
2: My personal opinion is that. We should leave the comments only for you know Mazel Tov and stuff like that because unfortunately um, comments that are open on other articles usually it opens up a can of worms, gets nasty, and we're, whereby the personal websites might benefit in terms of more traffic. Uh, I mean I, I believe in taking the high road and that's what we try to do at Shmace. Uh, answer to a higher authority. Not everything is about the clicks. Um, we remember that there's a lot more people looking at the websites today than there were 25 years ago. I mean, what took years and years and years for us to build up uh, at Schmeiss today can be done literally, you know, within a few minutes. The technology has gotten so much better and easier, and so many different ways of people communicating and getting out information. It's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a close, but it's an even bigger achrayist for people that are running uh, public websites. Uh, even if they're, quote unquote, not officially Chabad, but you know, at the end of the day, people associated with Chabad, mm-hmm. and they have an achrayist to, you know, to live up to a higher standard and not to, not to get dragged down in the mud. So I think that comments should really be uh, relegated to some, some stuff like that. Where, you know, personal, you know, nice, make this one had a, had a baby, this one had a bar mitzvah, et cetera, et cetera. Because the other way around, I, I, they're not doing a great job on on moderating and it takes way too much time to, to properly moderate it. I think we're better off without them, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I I, I would think that what you're mentioning now is probably an issue that every newsroom has to deal with at some point or another in terms of the human effort of moderation and how to, you know, are clicks more important than advertising revenue and engagement? So now... But
2: again, there's now, a difference between... We we were from a Yidin, so we have to follow Shulchan Marach. It's not... Uh, you can't compare from a Yid to uh, just to John Doe, who's, uh, you know has some t- type of secular website. They're in it for the business. They can do whatever you want. From a Yid, has to do what is expected. And and much more so, Al-Bavet has to be on even a higher level.
1: Who did the site updating in HTML? Was it the fellow you mentioned earlier?
2: So, so Shemuel Khano made the first design. And then afterwards, he passed it on to Yankee Tidal Belm. So for many years, Yankee Tidal Belm Uh, took care of the design on the back end. I was the one who was responsible for updating and editing, but the complicated, you know, coding and stuff like that, again, first started with Shimmy, and then uh, later on with Yankee Tadabon.
1: What big scoops do you recall, like that was breaking news, either in the community or potentially I remember times where other news sites would point to space. But there anything like stick out in terms of like what was considered a scoop?
2: I mean, we had so many all all over the years. uh, It's it's really hard to without actually sitting down and pouring over, you know, 20 20 plus years of news to point to one specific, uh, you know, what was the biggest scoop of of all time. It's really hard to know. I, I think again in general, I think the Mazatovs and unfortunately the Bach Dynamics were, you know, most clicked on. Uh and then after that, you know, any bigger story obviously is gonna get, you know, uh, more clicks. I think also people appreciated the little the little things also that, you know, you're not gonna find on a uh on a international or national website, I think that that's for a lot of people they remember the little the little things you know that we we put on from seven seventy and stuff like that uh there's certain things that I mean that were never replicated you know by any of the uh uh later sites that came onto the market and you know one of the things that I enjoyed very much doing was putting on um the Shabbos reports from seven seventy after Shabbos. You know who down for the yom. Then and there were. That's something where it doesn't. I mean, we stopped doing it, but you know, surprisingly, none of the other websites, as far as I know, do it. And that, that's something that I know a lot of people enjoyed and look forward to because, again, when you when you're when you're not there, I and mean, even when you are there, you really want to know what what's going on and you a show. Which another
1: that you said was like unique to the site, I vividly recall the Purim edition. For those who are uninitiated, can you walk us through the perm edition, which is how I guilted you in doing this interview to begin with?
2: Yeah, so I, I don't remember what year we started doing the perm edition, but uh, you're 100% right about that. The perm edition was definitely... A highlight for many, and the highlight of the year for many. Where uh, you know we the nafachu, you know, usually a day or so before Purim, to uh, to shake things up, and make things the uh, simcha, and it was just a, a parody edition with uh, many many funny articles and kind of walking to give our thanks and appreciation to our dear host of this podcast, Mel Tennenhouse, for his submissions, his funny submissions over the years. Him and and others who uh, still would like to remain anonymous until the Statue of limitations expires, um, we don't want their cover being blown; I'm scared they might lose their their job. But yeah, I think that was I think that was a great, at least for the once a once a year, um, you know, people really enjoyed it. This one memory I have: uh, we we story one year how Bugalubov from Ukraine, who had established the Simcha Fund, but that was specifically for and He was giving money to people who were celebrating a bar mitzvah and a wedding, et cetera. And one year we did a cutie story where he's doing it for all Lubavitches. Oh boy. And uh, yeah, and I heard afterwards that a certain relative of mine uh, made a call to Rabbi Kabarsky, asking uh, you know, if he could apply for this. <laughs> so I, I got the regards a, 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 a little later, uh, but uh, just what 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 feedback? And, I mean, there are lots of stories like that, but it's just hard to you put me over here on the spot to remember from all the years. You know, maybe that would be I a wonder. If, idea. I think
1: I wonder if that sparked like the initiation of the uh, Ukraine Russian war. That was like the first. The first thing, nah, nah, nah. Uh, the perm nah, you're
2: going, you're, you're taking it, Shmuel, you're taking it too far. But I, I, I think <laughs> That's the what idea, that might be a good idea. I think, listen, here, I think you're onto something. I think maybe, you know, I think maybe we should make a, be- uh, a a little booklet of the best of the best of the perm editions that should be, you know, everyone should have it have it on their shelf. The, be- the best of the best. We have got to go through all the archives and find the best of the best of the perm editions. And, you know, when you're having a little bit of a, a shvach day, is that a little depressing? You, you pull, pull out the Shemes Purim, uh edition highlights, and you read it, and and you, uh, the R-O-F-L, is that what it sounds like? Rolling in the Four Laughings? Yes. We didn't have the, the R-O-F-L didn't exist with the early Perm editions. I'm not sure when those things came out, but it was definitely way I don't even know if LOL was around. No, I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, we, uh, well, listen here, we, uh, we were there way before many of these, uh, other guys uh, ever came about. Forget about within Lubavitch. I'm talking about, you know, we before Google when a lot of these other guys.
1: Was it even before Matt Rudge or kind of the same time?
2: Um, I don't know. You'll have to, uh, when you when you do your fact-checking on this interview, you'll have to check it up as well.
1: Okay. But, uh, but, you but Schmeich, yourself... was
2: definitely, Schmeich was definitely much more popular than Drudge and Lubavitch.
1: You're saying within Lubavitch itself...
2: Yeah, maybe now things have changed, but at least you know when we got started, you know, for the first for the first bunch of years, we definitely uh,
1: were more popular. No, I I I also vividly recall, like a matzah Shabbos, I would go to Shmace, I would go to Drudge just to get my. I haven't been to Drudge course for many time. many years. Yeah, yeah, just to catch up to see what's going on. Um. Okay. By the way, do you save like you mentioned the Perm edition? You saved everything. You have everything archived.
2: I I believe it's Somewhere, you know, in the cloud, hopefully, hopefully at least. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, right. What? I
2: mean, it would be a good idea just for your kids and grandkids to be able to print out, you know, your your uh, your articles. You know, you could autograph it. Those will be worth big bucks, you know, fifty, sixty years from now.
1: Yeah, a collector's item.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Some of but you know, put it on the auction box starting at least at ten million bucks or so.
1: Yeah. So. Now, you had a slight career change. Instead of shlochem sending you news, now you're on the shlichus side of things. And I'm wondering if the sight and just visibility of yourself was instrumental in you going on shlichus.
2: I would not say that the sight was instrumental in me going on shlichus. Um, the truth is that when we went out on shluchas about 17 years ago, the original plan was uh, to work part of the time for Chabad of Penelope County, which we did, you know, because they weren't able to give a full salary at that point in time, and the, and the other part of the day was to be devoted to keep the bavitches informed, but it didn't pan out as well as we anticipated, and, you know, yeah, so that's the story with that. But now we're on our own. We've been on our own now for about 12 years doing Chabad of Clearwater, Baruch Hashem. And uh, it's nice to have a lot of friends and friendships that came about Shushmai to, to be able to reach out to uh, friends to help out with the Avayi D'Sakayi share and helping the Shlokas.
1: In Clearwater, isn't that where um, the capital Scientology is?
2: I don't know if it's capital or one of one of their capitals. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of their main their main hubs.
1: Do you ever have any outflow from there? I mean, we have
2: uh, there are members of the, of the Jewish community that uh, that are involved somewhat with them, and and we try to reach out to them just like we try to reach out to to, to every other you that, that moves.
1: I know that when I was speaking to you before Pesach, right before you Nissen, you were very involved doing a fundraising campaign. I'm curious how it's going, and I'm also curious if listeners to the podcast would like to contribute to your campaign, how they can do so.
2: Okay, well, that's very very generous of you to bring that up. Uh, Baruch Hashem, just before Pesach, we uh, closed on the New House, and we were running a campaign to raise the funds for the purchase. We didn't finish the campaign, uh, so there is opportunities still available to help with that. And then after that, obviously, there are opportunities to help with the renovations and remodeling that we want to do. We basically bought an old Bank of America uh, located down the block from our prior kabod, which was shared space with our family in a single-family home. And now, thanks to God and thanks to Rebbe Barachas The bank became available, and there were other people bidding on it, and thank God we uh, came ahead. So if anyone would like to contribute and take part in our shlokas here and get a great mitzvah right before uh, Shavuos, they could log on to 11 That would be 11nissan.org. They can make a contribution, and we're also going to have a raffle in July for $10,000. For those that contribute $54 or more. And there's also very big uh, dedications available. If any of your listeners out there want to make like a very big dedication, they could uh, be in touch with you and you could put them directly in touch with me and uh, we'll make it happen. And if it's large enough, we might even be able to make a little studio for you in the Nuchabad house. The vault okay, would probably that. be the best place. Yeah, because the vault, the vault is soundproof, so that might be a perfect place for you to have a little office here on the west coast of Florida, a place to run away to. You know, when the hurricanes hit South Florida, you will have a place to come here, and and the show could go on, literally.
1: Yeah, that was a question I wanted to ask. Because when you bought that, hold I on, wondering. we got to we got
2: we to gotta mention we got to mention the website again in case people just got up to get a pen and just came back to listen. They should log on to org or it might be easier for them to just log on to JewishClearWater.com forward slash donate. JewishClearWater.com forward slash donate.
1: Yeah, sorry if for interrupting you, me, any Any like, donation discounts if they mention the Shmuel House podcast?
2: If they mention the Shmuel House podcast and they come visit us in person, they will get uh, they will get a, a special l'chaim.
1: Okay, excellent. When you when you purchased the Bank of America, did it come with any of their funds or they took all the money out and then gave you the building?
2: So I was telling people originally that they didn't give me any money, but unfortunately I misspoke. And as we started fishing around the, the bank and moving some furniture around, we slowly but surely started finding some funds. And after it was all said and done, we found exactly – you're sitting, Shmoy, right? Yes. Okay, we found exactly 37 cents. So I now have to tell people that they did leave us money. And if they ask us, then we have to let them know. So it was three dimes and seven pennies. These had fallen fallen into a crack by the drive-thru, a little bit under the carpet, in a little crack in the wall. Um, so as of right now, they they uh, left us thirty-seven cents.
1: You I'm may have to report that the that either tax taxes, either taxes or on the HUD statement.
2: I, I'm not sure because again, we are. Thank God, everyone should know because whoever's going to be making the larger donations, we are a registered 501c3, so all donations to Chabad Clearwater are 100% tax deductible. So I don't think we'd have to claim it. The only thing is. If you see a weird line in the next uh, earnings report from Bank of America for thirty-seven cents, you'll know what that's all about.
1: Okay, like a whistleblower. So I only have. I know you're busy, Baruch Hashem, doing great work. And I want to say I had also the opportunity to uh, contribute to the campaign. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you for your support. So a few, um, a few remaining questions. So sure. Curious what skills you picked up from doing shmes and reporting on that that you now incorporate and utilize on Schluchas.
2: I think the number one skill that I that I picked up is uh being able to communicate effectively with with the media because I was, you know, seeing how things are reported on Chabad around the world and posting all the articles and reading all the articles, I sort of got a better feeling for you know how newsrooms work, et cetera, and that's been helpful for me on Shluchas to be able to reach out to local members of the media when we have things going on. And Baruch Hashem, it's been it's been very helpful, and we've we've gotten Pulis you know, prominently featured on TV and the Tampa Bay Times, the biggest you know newspaper in the area. So I think that would be the number one thing that I uh, that I picked up as a as a as a side benefit to, do, to doing Shmays. And, and
1: obviously the benefits, right, of being there is hafatzah and pursuing or whatever, what's going on.
2: 100%.
1: Okay. Um, you could choose to, to pass on this next question, just in your opinion, from somebody who was, you know, pulling the hottest scoops. In your opinion, who would you say is hotter right now in Chabad? Would it be Rabbi Y.Y. or Rabbi Shef Tauf?
2: What about Rabbi Manas' treason?
1: Oh, baby, he doesn't even go. It's not even a question that Manas is the YouTube rabbi. He doesn't even fall into this question. He's two, I'm saying, head-to-head. You're putting me
2: into a very uncomfortable situation because I like them both, and Chase rhymes with Schmace, so automatically oh. it's sort of, there's like, there's like a pull to that. But they're both amazing guys, Chase and YY. They're doing amazing stuff not only within Lavavish but with outside they're, they're uh, incredible they're they're inspi- they're inspiring you know tens of thousands of uh, of yidden with the rest of that is message I, I, they're they're both top notch. They're, they're they're both up there
1: and when you added the third person manus would you say that he's definitely in a league of his own or would you say same league
2: um listen here i think he, i think uh, i think manus uh uh I think they're going in monasteries. Let's you know. Let's face it. He, uh, I think, he paved the way uh, for for the for the likes of Rabbi Y.Y., Rabbi Shes, and, and and others.
1: Okay. Now, is it true? And this could be completely false. But is it true that sometimes when Shluchim were reporting to you an event, they would tend to somewhat a drop overestimate in the reporting the amount of people who showed up.
2: Okay, so that's possible. Everything is possible. You know, we try to do our best. When uh reports came came in to uh to follow up and if things looked a little amiss, we would uh we would ask. At the end of the day, we gave everyone the uh the benefit of the doubt and uh we went ahead with uh with what they
1: said. Okay. The Thank flip you. side
2: know- is, the, the, hold on before, did my quarter run out? No, keep going. I can deposit, I, I deposit another nickel for the next 15 minutes. You have 37 uh, cents
1: from Bank of America hanging around there. Exactly, that no, but that uh,
2: 37 cents is in a special plastic cup. It's been covered over. We don't, we don't want anyone to use it. I'm thinking of a way how we could preserve that money, shine shine it up, and maybe put it maybe in a special glass something or other. As, I would put um, it Mimento. in crypto
1: right away. Crypto,
2: yeah, invested in crypto. But you're talking about about the numbers game. I mean, um, for many years, one of the uh, one of the the um, should I say highlights or offerings of Shmays was high holidays around the world with Chabad, and uh, you know the guys on both sides of of the you know of the coin, either fa'ad or, or, or thinking that it wasn't uh, necessarily. Uh, a, gr- a great idea, um, and I thought it was beautiful and a great Kiddush Hashem, Kiddush I had we, had we had plenty of participation, thank God, behind her, but if we would have had even more participation, I think it would have made even bigger ways, but there were, there were certain individuals that I know had a lot more people, but in their humility, and wanting, you know, other guys that really did not necessarily have a big, big crowd, they would they would lower their numbers. You're talking about that it ever happened to people, you know, up their numbers. There are people that specifically went into their, you know, we asked them, okay, who was your cousin? You know, where you have services? Anything interesting to note? You know, anything exciting? Oh, some people had this person come visit, that kind of guy come visit. You know, one time, uh, who was it? Uh, Bob Dylan went to some some chabad house. Uh, you know, if it was the Rosh Hashanah in Kipper, but there were people that would the dafka put in a lower number, so as Shlokim that may, maybe were just starting out, they were really in a boondock location, and maybe you know, maybe they were logging on after Yom Tov and saying, "Oh my God, this guy had this guy had this many people, that many people." Said, "Oh my gosh, so and so, that guy's a big shiach. He only had 20 people. Okay, so I didn't do too bad." So Baruch Hashem, That's a beautiful uh, thing. Yeah, that was very nice, very nice thing to see.
1: Okay. I thank mean, we could so always do a follow-up
2: it. if you come up uh, if you come up with more with more questions. We could do
1: uh, we could do a round two, round two. Okay. Thank you again, lady. Have a great evening,
2: Rev. Shmuley, Thank you very much for your persistence, and I'm sorry that it took so long. But uh, I hope that you and I hope that your uh, audience will enjoy this interview. If anyone has any follow-up questions, if anybody wants to buy Schmace, uh it is for sale. They should contact you, and we'll give you a commission, obviously. Uh, for facilitating.
1: Thank you. I'm counting on it.
2: Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.